In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, it is part two of our NCAA Tournament Regional Prospect Preview. In the first episode, we listed our top 10 prospects in the West. And today, well, not only today, today is the same as earlier today. We are going to cover the East. We'll find out who Leafs' top 10 prospects in the East are. Stay tuned. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That is prizepicks.com. Promo code Locked On. Right, Leaf. This is part two, part one. I'd say we, I mean, what, eight out of 10 of our prospects were the same? Let's, let's see how similar we can be or how different we'll be here in the East. All right. The number one prospect in the East. For me, it is Case and Wallace. Who's the number one prospect for you? I'm with you there with Case and Wallace as my number one prospect in the East. And I think he's a guy that gets a little underrated because he's not unbelievably flashy, but that's how he's played for much of his his life. And I, I learned that from you is, is you said he's kind of been a guy who's been a glue guy and he's become a glue guy extraordinaire. And he's now got traits that make him more uh, more appealing for what the NBA is than than it was five, seven years ago. So uh, he's my number one prospect, and I think he's a guy who can really make a statement with his perimeter defense in a pretty wide-open region. What is your thoughts on Kentucky overall? I have a friend that's a Kentucky fan. He is in total denial that Kentucky is not Kentucky of old. And he keeps saying, we're going to have the number one recruiting class next year. And I'm like, but then you guys have the number one recruiting class? two years ago and when was the last time they won a tournament game does it 2019 has it uh, been that yeah. long yeah it's 19 because 21 they didn't make it 20 there wasn't a tournament 19 they lost in the elite eight to auburn i believe and 22 they got smacked <laughs> in the first round so um it'll be interesting to see if their 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 players in their recruiting class from next year how how that ends up panning out. All right, we agree with Kaysen Wallace. What do you need to see from Kaysen to put him in your top 10? Or is he already in your top 10? Uh, he's just on the outside of the top 10 for me. He's he's number 12. So to put him in the top 10, I think I'd need to see a little more scoring um, and getting to his spots, which I think he does a good job of. I just need to see him take over a game uh, and, and be able to do that at the college level. And I don't necessarily expect it at the NBA level, but just show the capacity to do so. Because I believe the, I believe in the defense. I believe in the spot-up shooting. Uh, I, I think he could become a better and more well-rounded scorer and uh, facilitator by getting to his spots with more aggression. All right. Number two. This is probably where it can get a little tricky. The last episode in the South... I think we were the same all the way until we got to number six. I think number two could be the could be different here. Who's your number two prospect? My number two is Dariq Whitehead. Okay, uh, so it's Dariq, different. Yeah, Dariq Whitehead's a guy who can 
he can knock down threes, and I think you're starting to see it. And I, I almost parallel he and A.J. Griffin from last year's Duke team, someone who got bogged down with injuries early on, but the talent was obvious. Um, he's become a shooter and more of a supplementary player than a star, which is a bit concerning for a prospect. However, you, you have to factor in context, and I, and I think the way he's been a team player throughout it all, defending at a better level, he's been a little heavy on his feet, but he's gotten better of late to my eye, and he's really knocking down shots and becoming a supplementary scorer to a team that's peaking at the right time is impressive to me. Okay. I got him at number five. All right, number two for me is Derek Lively, and I should start my apology letter to Lively. I'm still uh, defensively, he's been good. Offensively, still a lot to be desired. I end up having some conversations about him with some NBA scouts and one of the things that they they mentioned and I had to really like check myself here was Lively and, and this is what someone told me they said Lively should not have been rated as high as he was rated and they said some people are kind of souring on him based off of where people had him rated out of high school because they're expecting a lot more and this scout mentioned that he wasn't as high on Lively as as like the high school rankings, and he's about where he thought he would be. Now, when I first started watching Lively's film, I thought he could be like a Tyson Chandler type type player, but I didn't see him averaging five points per game. That's pretty pretty uh, that's pretty crazy for me. But I, I see the flashes here and there. Um, I haven't seen the, the jump shot that I saw that he showed like glimpses of being able to shoot the ball in high school. I haven't really seen that, but I have him at number two. I think that he should be able to impact games in the tournament with his defense and his rebounding. And I could see him playing a, a, a role in the NBA as just a, a rebounder rim protector and, and a vertical lob threat. So I have him at number two, even though he is not the best player on his team. I'm with you there. Uh, I've got him number three, and it was pretty slim margins between he and Whitehead at at uh, two. Uh, Lively to me is probably the largest reason, alongside with Tyrese Proctor, who spoiler alert is my number four, uh, for the Dukes kind of peaking at the right time. The defensively, Duke, you can look at their offense. They've been very efficient. Obviously, Virginia made it very difficult on them, but that's their mo. Uh, Duke has scored 98 points against Pittsburgh. They scored a lot against Miami. And you may think that offense is their identity. Defense is their identity, and he's the central figure. They play a drop coverage. He really influences the game at the rim. And then their length uh, as a team allows uh, them to get in passing lanes, run, and he's the reason they're allowed to do that. So I, I really do be uh, believe in the traits of uh, Derek Lively, the way he's able to impact the game without huge numbers takes a, a deeper dive. And yes, I expect him to score more than five. I expect him to be about 10, 12, but I think the reason they've played very well and that factors into me is his kind of being the anchor for a defense. And that's why Mark Williams, his the end of his freshman year was starting to put together and he was a project. And if he were to come back for a sophomore, I think uh, Derek Lively would be evaluated very differently than he was as the number one player in the country coming out to your point. And then I don't know if that's a fair expectation, but if you just look at it from a clean slate, it's been good for the past two months. And I think if he were the 30th prospect coming in, uh, he'd, he'd have a, a higher praise to, to critique ratio. Yep. All right. So n- number four 
on, or I'm sorry, number three on my list is their teammate, Kyle Filipowski. He's been their, their most productive player on paper, 15 points, nine rebounds per game. I thought he would be a much better shooter coming into this season. He's only shooting 30% from three, but he's also shooting 78% from the free throw line. I think he's a a late first round pick. I see some people have him in the middle of the first round. Where do you have him out on your board as far as like where he would get drafted? I have him on the border of first and second. I, I haven't quite finalized my latest re- uh, rendition. So he's anywhere from 28 to 34. And why do you have him in that range? Is there a reason why you you may not be as high on him as, as others? I'm a little skeptical of the role he plays in the NBA. Uh, I, I think that there are only so many guys that, are viewed as a gifted scorer at that size in college that that can translate to even close to that in the NBA and and a guy that I maybe it's just because I'm near I, I'm near the team he almost reminds me a bit of a guy like Kelly Olynyk, and that his main attribute for scoring is guile craftiness um, as opposed to like wow what a shooter or wow what a physical specimen and then defensively doesn't stand out to me in a positive way so I th- I think that size and shooting are two things he could be good at but craftiness is his main trait offensively and offense is better than defense so i think there's limited upside to a player like him despite the allure of a freshman scoring as well as he has at a premier program like duke all right and what do you have him on your on your board for this region uh number five i have tyrese proctor number four all right when we return I want to hear why Leaf has Tyrese Proctor at number four. And on my list, I have a huge, huge surprise at number four. But let's talk about prize picks. And prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. So you're probably wondering, how does it work? All you do is pick two to six players. And if they would go score more or less than their prize picks projection, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It is just you versus the projections available. And Price Picks offers projections on any sport you may watch NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, WNBA, European basketball, cricket, golf. I mean, the list goes on, and the entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy, safe, and fast withdrawals. And it is currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the Prize Pick app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. If you are a first-time user, you can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. So do not forget to enter the promo code locked on. At sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, second segment. So we had Casey Wallace, Derek Lively, Kyle Filipowski. Those are my top three. And then Leaf had Casey Wallace, Derek Whitehead, and Derek Lively. And at number four, you have Tyrese Proctor, who got off to like the slowest of slow starts at the beginning of the season. I forgot the numbers, but it was bad. It was like 21% from the floor or something like that. You started hearing a lot of people question if you made a mistake by entering college too early because he's one of the younger freshmen in, in the nation. And by you having him at number four on your list, are you hinting that he's a first-round pick in 2023? 20, or do you think that 
it's just based off overall, and you think he's more likely to come back in 2024? I would lean towards him leaving. I I, I really think that he and Lively are the two um, catalysts for Duke's kind of winning 10 of their last 11 games, dominating defensively, and I think he's a very good playmaker. I think a lot of people early in the year had Roach playing the point guard and, and viewed him as a two guard because he's taller, um, whereas to me, I always viewed him as a point guard. And he's yep. a, a pass-first playmaker who creates by getting his feet towards the nail and, and facilitating. He's got decent touch. Yes, he shot terribly to start the year, but I think there's an adjustment period for anyone going into college basketball, much less when you're 17 years old when you enter it and playing at a premier program like Duke. And he played Kansas at the beginning of the year. He played Gonzaga. He played uh, Xavier and Purdue. Or excuse me, they didn't play Gonzaga. They played Purdue. Uh, but my, my point being, I think he's a more holistic prospect than people give him credit for. He, he's 6'5". He's the best defender on his team uh, on the perimeter. Lively is the best defender on Duke. Uh, he's all he's taking the toughest perimeter assignments. He's creating well, and of late, he's really shooting the ball well from three on both the catch, and he's hit a few off the dribble. So to me, he's a guy that provides upside as as a guy who could be you know a backup point guard, and he's got even so much of a ceiling of that I could see him running a team if they've got talented scores around him and being a really nice supplementary point guard to a good team in the NBA. He sold me. He sold me. But my number four. This is probably a guy that's not on many people's top 10 for the region. But I am 100% sold on Oso Iguodaro from Marquette. I've I am got him sold in my top on... 10. Good. Well, I got him in my top five. And I, I would use a first-round pick on him. For those that don't know, 6'9", 215. The numbers aren't great. 11 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists per game, 65% from the floor. But what I love about him is that he can be your vertical lob threat, and he is a very good passer. There's a play that he made about a week ago. He, I want to say he had the ball at, like, in the post, and he whipped, like, a behind-the-back pass to a cutter. I think that he has a role in the NBA as, again, like your vertical lob threat, a guy that if you have a point guard that's being trapped, you can give the ball to him in the middle of the floor, and he can make plays. He's athletic. He doesn't space the floor. That's the biggest concern. But he has really good touch around the rim, which is shocking that he's only shooting 53% from the foul line because he makes soft touch finishes around the rim. But usually when you – I mean, I guess usually your free throw percentage is a good indicator of touch. So the touch may be a little a little shaky um, just because of the free throw percentage. But he, to me, he just doesn't miss around the rim. Like I said, 65%. He's averaging over a block and a half per game, 31 minutes. Um, if you like stocks, if you combine the stocks, it's like 2.5. I think that he could come in and, and and contribute right away and help a team out. So I have him, I have him at number five and as a late first round pick. Who's number actually give me your thoughts on Oso? Uh so Oso to me, the premier skill is passing, for, mm -hmm. especially for his position, but even just in general. He uh, there's, I read an article earlier this year, probably about late December, maybe early January on Marquette. And, uh, I really had my eyes, uh, if you listen to locked on college basketball, there's an episode with myself and, and Isaac shade, where we talk about Marquette and the big East. And I, I picked Marquette to win the big East because I thought they had the best two creators in the big East on the same team. And so I thought their offense would be very sustainable. My question for Igadoro is, is he a five at the NBA level? Does he have the athleticism to protect the rim? 
and does he have the offensive game to when he's not a prevalent part of the offense because not too many guys that from 15 feet with and within orchestrate the offense like Shangun and Jokic are, are the few that that start to do that so I'm a little lower than you on him however I I can't deny my my bias is I love passing passing is something I really love and I think he's a productive rebounder with really good hands and touch uh, I I was going to ask the question about 53 and a half percent from the line that that's got to improve and I think athletically he's got a potential to get better but you are kind of what you are so He's a guy that's a late second rounder for me, but he is in my top 10 here. And I'm very curious to see how he handles um, this region that I don't know if I find it to be wide open or just because there's some big names in the bottom that it make, make me a little bit scared to pick mm-hmm. a team like Marquette, who's just won the big East regular season and postseason. And you know, when I look at Igodaro, I think he could be Dwight Powell. Dwight Powell has, been with the Mavs forever. I mean, he's I know he's the longest tenured Mav. I want to Mav. I want to say he's on like 9 seasons, right? And I think Eagle Dog could be like Dwight Powell. There was a time when Dwight was trying to stretch the floor then I I guess they ended up scrapping that after a, a couple seasons. But Dwight is a guy even when Mavs fans don't like him, he finds his way back into the rotation, starting, closing games. But what he doesn't have is he's not a good passer. And there's been times where Luka gets trapped and they give the ball to Dwight and his back is to the basket. He's just looking to give it up as a a hot potato. And I think Iguodaro could be like Dwight, but offer a little bit more as far as passing and maybe even be a a, a better rebounder than Dwight Powell. All right. So that was was a, a, a big riser there for me. So who's number five on your list? Uh. Five for me was Filipowski. So six, six for me is Julian Phillips okay. of Tennessee. And he's I a have... guy that I'm not sold entirely that he should come to the NBA, but I'm basing this off if everyone did. And Julian Phillips plays on a team that really needs him to step up because they lost to Kai Ziegler that he needs to take on a larger scoring role. But he also plays on a team that is very veteran late and their, their age has to be among the highest in this field of 68. I, I think that Julian Phillips' best trait is athleticism and potential for growth in his body, but he's also a pretty good uh, finisher. He needs to get stronger, but he's he's able to show uh, ability to contort around the rim, put the ball in with his right and his left hand. His form looks fine from the free throw line and from three. The results are, I wouldn't say begging, but they're they're not exactly what you'd want from a guy who is such a high recruit. But he's shooting 82.3% from the free throw line, but 24% from three. Um, he's someone that I have question marks about, but he's got the athletic talent to take a flyer on him in the early second round, maybe even the late second round, uh, late first round, much like a guy like Peyton Watson, who the Nuggets took at 30 last year. I thought that was too high for him. I would probably say Phillips has shown more flashes on a similarly leveled team, but uh, there are reservations about that one, but I'm, I'm taking a flyer on athleticism there. I'm going with, I have Bryce at number six on my list i have Dreek whitehead at number five i'm not the biggest whitehead guy even though he has knocked down open shots um the the separation and the offensive creativity was something i wasn't really high on coming into the season he hasn't really shown it but you made a very valid point that he's like this year's adrian griffin where he's just playing a limited role just because i mean i guess you can say it's similar 
got off to slow starts because of the injuries. Duke was trying to basically um, ease his way in, and so he ended up just settling for a role as a shooter. He's knocking down his shots. I don't think he's a shooter as, as Adrian Griffin is, but he's done a good job with his role. At number, so I had him at number five. At number six is the guy that I'm pretty high on, and I have Bryce Hopkins at number six. Who who do you have at number six? Six for me was Phillips, so I think I was one ahead because I gave Philipowski and Proctor um, hmm. at four and five, uh, but Hopkins is my number seven, so we're not too far off there. Okay, now what do you like about Hopkins, and, I, and I'll tell what I like about I like his ability to get to a spot under control. And I think he uses his size effectively, which is not a trait that you see from too many college players that that play off two feet, use their size and and their innate gift. Like, I wouldn't say there's a lot of players that know how to use their innate gifts. They can overpower people. They can run faster than people. They can jump higher than people. He's a guy that is bigger than most of the people he'll defend uh, that defend him, but he shoots it well. He's not a superb athlete, but he's steady. And he uses his body well in, in, in a functional fashion. And I think he's got good traits shooting the ball. Um, and and it, that's something that I like about someone that's kind of self-aware. He knows how to score and he can do it in multiple ways. And he knows how to beat the defenders defending him. He goes past bigger guys and, and posts up smaller guys. Uh, he, he's got a game that I think would do better if he were 15 years younger. Or, mm-hmm. sorry, if, if he were 15 years older. Um, but uh, I'm I'm relatively on high on him compared to the consensus. Yeah, I like him a lot. And some of what you said is very similar to my notes. And one of the things that you mentioned that really stood out to me is that he can get to his spots. I really like guys that can get to his, to their spots. I mean, the strong frame, broad shoulders, but he can create off the dribble. He is not a great athlete, but I think he has a pretty good first step. Like his first step is, first step is I would say it's deceptive and quick, but he's more fluid and smooth than than explosive. He can shoot. He rebounds. He finishes through contact. I really like him a lot. My concerns is that he's a below the rim finisher, and he's again not like an ex- explosive athlete. He may struggle with NBA length. Do you think that's going to be a problem for him? Like struggling with guys that are that he can't physically overpower that may have crazy wingspans. Uh, I, I do think that'll play a factor because I don't think he'll shoot that many mid range shots, which is where. Uh, he he kind of cook he may he makes his bacon in the mid range he he gets to his spots, so it depends what team he's on the use the role he has but I think he'll be a productive shooter at the NBA level I buy his thirty eight percent three point shooting as being valid, so I think he'll be good enough because he shoots it with a high release and he's big but I just don't think he'll have the same uh role at the NBA level of shooting mid rangers and if he did I think that would be bothersome for him that there's athletes that are better than him and just as long as him if not longer. Makes sense. All right. When we return, we'll finish out the rest of the players in our top 10 from the Eastern region. And we'll find out who did not make the list that, you know, some people may think should. All right. Before we get into the last segment, if you want to eat healthy, then I have a treat for you. If you're looking to eat healthy, but you don't want to compromise the taste, then you have to try a Built Bar because with Built Bars, healthy is actually tasty. And if you're wondering what makes them so good, it's that they are covered with 100% chocolate. Yes, that is right. They're healthy and covered with 100% real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut almond. Not sure how they do it, but they found out a way to make it 
tasty and healthy. Only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. What makes it great now is that you don't have to just go to Built.com to get a box. You can go to Walmart. If you go to Walmart, they're in the pharmacy section. You can grab a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Or if you want more, there's a 13-bar box at Sam's Club. Brownie batter churro, you can thank me later. But if you still want to just order them, go to Built.com. All right, last segment. At number seven, I had Julian Phillips. We've talked about him. Um, I'm, I am I see like the tools, the production doesn't necessarily match. I thought he'd be a much better shooter. We'll see how he steps up with, um, with an expanded role. Who's number eight on your list? This is really where it gets interesting for me. I, I think in terms of long-term prospects, I don't expect him to come out this year, so let me preface it with that. I, I would say Jaden Akins of Michigan State. He's oh. someone He's someone that I don't think will come out this year, but he could come back for a second year. I really love the way he's twitchy. He gets to where he wants. He's left-handed. He's got a pretty jump shot. He's a very good mid-range shooter, which we just talked about not being the most likely outcome for a guy like him. Um, but I think he'll be a good three-point shooter at the next level. I also think next year, this is prognosticating quite a bit, but I think next year he'll he'll have the reins more so, uh, whereas guys like A.J. Hogard and Tyson Walker will take diminished roles as Walker will be gone, and I think Hogard will be just a become a real facilitator at that rate, and, and he'll be the scorer for a Michigan State team that will have a kind of a change in identity as Malik Hall and Joey Hauser also age out. All right, I have Keontae Johnson from Kansas State. He was someone that I thought was going to be a mid-first-round pick. I want to say, was it two years ago or three years ago? Or has he missed the last two years? He, I think it was during 2021. Okay, so he's he, missed. Yeah. I feel like was, he's missed. It was late It was late 2020, in fact, I think. Okay. It was against Florida State. Yeah, so he... He collapsed, and some people are blaming it on COVID. I don't know if we officially found out what it was, but there were a lot of speculation, and he ended up missing. I feel like it was two seasons. It, it seems like he tried to come back briefly, whatever. But a great comeback story has size, strength, can shoot the ball, and is probably one of the best stories in college basketball when you combine what he's done individually and then Kansas State with a first-year coach just making the the splash that they've made. So I have Keontae Johnson at number eight. Who's your number eight? Uh, my eight was Jaden Akins. Uh, okay, that's right. Nine for me will be uh, – I'm going to go with Chris Livingston. Okay. This is someone I also think should come back for a second year, could transfer – could declare <laughs> and use and use the athletic traits that got him a McDonald's All-American and ride that into a, a pick that, depending on how he plays in the combine, would would fare well. Anyway, the, the appeal for him is he's a physically gifted player. He's athletic. He's a good rebounder. Shot is streaky, uh, and I don't know if he's developed his offensive arsenal well enough to really have a, a claim to be a good offensive player, but I think he could make some money on the defensive end based off athletic traits. And and I think youth matters uh, when you get to guys like this. I'd rather take a swing personally at, you know, if he were to come out this year at like 45 or 50 on a guy like him than I would a guy like, uh, 
no one else in this region, but but someone who's older, like Keontae Johnson even. I'd rather have a, a swing on a guy that doesn't have the baggage that Johnson does and is is someone who I believe to be a better fit for the modern NBA and the way that he scores, even though he's not going to be a scorer. I just think he's a defensive upside is good and he can score by spot ups and dunks. And so I think he, he fits what role players are idealized as in the NBA. Yeah. I think he should come back to school. I think he's flirting with danger by, I think he would be putting himself in a bad situation. I'll say that if he, I agree. I mean, I, I looked at some of the guys stats from last year that, I don't know what they were thinking. They didn't participate at the combine. They ended up being second round picks and they have not, I mean, really dominated the G league when in the G league, even though, you know, the guys are old and the competition is supposed to be better, but when you're on like a two way, when you're a draft pick, you're supposed to be featured. And so I look at, you know, a guy like JD Davis and does he wonder what if I stayed Trevor kills, who was on a two-way, got released from his two-way, but then I saw today that they just picked him back up on a two-way. Does he wonder, what if I would have stayed at Duke? There's somebody else that, that comes to mind. Oh, Kendall Brown, for example, who <laughs> I had him as the top 10 pick at one point. And I don't even know if he's really playing a lot of minutes in the in, in the G League. So um, I think Chris Livingston should definitely return to school. My number nine is... The guy that's probably going to win player of the year, Zach Eady. The production is, can't deny the production. I do think that he will get drafted. Maybe not be a, a rotation player, but maybe a guy that is your 12th, 13th man. And for a second round pick, late second round pick, I mean, that's really good value if he ends up being your 13th man because a lot of times guys are drafting the second round and they don't stick and they're they're out after two or three years. So he is my my number nine. What about you? So so my no, number nine was Livingston. 10 for me will be uh, Oso Iguodaro, number 10. I think he's got – I was between he and Zach Eady. I think he's got a more translatable game to the NBA than Zach Eady. Uh, I, we talked about him a little bit earlier, but – He's a very good passer. I think there's a way that he could play in second units and be a secondary facilitator as well as someone who can finish in the dunker spot and maybe develop a, a push shot or a mid-range jump shot as well. My number 10 that I'm swinging for the fences is Naquan Tomlin. Even though he's you know, he's still raw and he's not like your typical 18 or 19-year-old raw prospect, I think that he has some physical tools, athleticism, show some flashes of ball handling, has a lot to learn. But if I'm a team with a second-round pick, maybe even a two-way, I would offer it to Tomlin and try to develop him. I think it makes the most sense for him to come out now. I think he's 22 already. I think he will at least be a two-way guy and develop in, in the G League. But I have him over a tough list of guys that could be my honorable mention from Oscar Shibwe, Drew Peterson, um, I didn't have Proctor in my top 10. I didn't have Mark Mitchell in my top 10. Antonio Reeves, Kendrick Davis. I think this was a, a, a pretty difficult group to like narrow it down to, to 10 prospects. So who was the guy that just missed your list that you were, oh, should I put him on? Should I take him off? Who was that guy for you? Uh, 
Edie, Edie as well as Naquan Tomlin. I, I like Tomlin a lot. The concern is is exactly that, that he's a bit raw for an older prospect. And so I wonder if I'm evaluating this as, okay, why would I, if I'm taking a swing, I typically would go for a guy like Livingston with four years of youth and more basketball experience somehow than someone who's really developed late and, and started playing late, transferred to a high major just this year has picked up the ball and, and really played well, but I, I like his game. As for Zach Eady, his game is archaic, and I don't mean that as an insult. It's just the way the NBA is played today. I, I worry that he'd get ran off the court um, just because even against Penn State today, there were times where he was off the court, and and his impact, even though he had 30 and 12, was mitigated by the fact that Penn State was so dead set on shooting threes. And in the NBA, I think the way he plays uh, mitigates – the impact of his size or the way the NBA plays mitigates the impact of Edie's size. So I'm a little harsher on the upside of him in the NBA, but he's the best player in college basketball right now on a number one seed. Yeah. I think someone takes a chance on him and maybe he's just kind of like a wild card that you throw in here and there. Like we used to see the maps kind of put Boban in from time to time, but I, I, I would give him a shot. All right. Well, that wraps up part two we still have two more to go so thank you for making the locked on nba big board podcast your first listen of the day now for your second listen check out the locked on game to game every moment every top performance every result locked on game to game covers every game from across the nba with local analysis that only locked on can deliver so follow game to game on locked on nba it is available on the odyssey app youtube or wherever you get your podcast. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow with Leaf Tuline. We just covered the East. If you missed it, we also covered the South on another episode. So stay tuned for the next episode. We will discuss the top NBA prospects in the West. And I feel like the West was a very tough region to narrow it down to 10 prospects. So find out who we have or who we agree on and disagree on. In the next episode, stay tuned.